I'm Josie Long. I'm Johnny Donahue. We're a couple of British comedians. We are also a couple. Yes, in that <laughs> we are together. And we love each other. Very much. And we're having a baby. Fortunately, it turns out that the thing we wanted was possible. Exactly. But the early. condition was it came early. <laughs> um, so we are we're on the back foot. And we're trying to make up for it. What we are hoping to do is speak to people who are luminaries from their chosen artistic fields, incredible musicians, writers, performers, but we're not going to talk to them about any of that. We're talking to them about parenting because they are also parents. And they are absolutely experts in that field because they you have to be as a parent because it's full on. Yeah. Josie and Johnny Today's guest is Ajoa Ando, who is an actor that I have admired and loved for a huge amount of time. Um, she's well known in Britain because uh, she's a very successful stage actress. She's also been in a number of um, long-running shows, Casualty, which is a sort of um, uh, hospital drama. Yeah, beloved long-term long, hospital it's drama. Been on, it's on Saturday nights in Britain, and it's been on since 1911. <laughs> <laughs> Every Saturday. Um, and she's also in Doctor Who. Which has been on for, I mean, even longer. Really long time. Since the she... 16th century when Doctor <laughs> Who was first just in stone. Yes, but it's a more recent iteration <laughs> of Doctor Who, one of yeah. the more recent Doctors. Um, yeah, she's a fantastic, incredibly well-known and sort of beloved uh, actor. But also, uh, she's not somebody that we knew prior to recording the podcast. One of the reasons that we wanted to speak to her is because she's had quite a particular um, experience of parenting uh, in a couple of ways. One of them is her children are quite far apart in time. So she's had them at different stages of her life. But also one of her children is trans. And that's something that they've, you know, learned through together and worked Mm. through together. And we had her on a radio show uh, speaking about this and just really wanted to speak to her about that experience. Um, also, what happened was she was just incredible to talk to. So we ended up talking about all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, of but course. ages first. But yeah, it was it was really interesting because it hadn't been something that had necessarily occurred to me that, you know, people are so up for saying, oh, are you having a boy or a girl? Are you having a boy or a girl? What are you calling them? All this kind of thing. But the truth of that is that is not something that is entirely in your control. Mm. Your child will be the person they are. That's and that right. person may well be trans. That person may well not be trans, but wish to change their name or sure. live their life in a way that's like not what you could have imagined or not what you could have been prepared for. And like, how do you deal with that? How do you kind of take that on board positively and you know, not fight the fact that, oh, this is different to what I'd expected. That's right. And it's wonderful to talk to her because it is an example of somebody faced with um, what other people would see as a challenge and uh, Ajoa deals with it uh, with warmth and love and joy and just seems to get everything right. And uh, it's great to talk to somebody uh, who can be such a role model. Yeah. As a parent. I mean, it's incredible. And also talk to somebody. So she's a busy working mother of three, uh, but it's good to talk to somebody whose children are a little bit older. Her children Mm. are sort of on the way to being grown. One of them's 30. That's got to be grown. That's right. I mean, that's my age. 
Well, sure, it was. It's your playing age. It's <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I've been 30. <laughs> nice. So I know what it's like. Oh. Um, I'll tell you something he's been doing to me recently. No, don't tell you. He's been it... tapping me and saying 36, then tapping himself and saying 35. 35. Thinks that's funny. It's it not is funny. funny. I'm your toy boy. Absolutely. My bit of stuff. So, yeah, we had a fantastic uh, chat with Ajoa and I think what I'd like is to learn how or to hope that I can practice meeting my child on their terms and not being like, but I want you to be a violinist. No, of course. I Do think you see what I'm saying? That's like, so important. And, and also to, um, I mean, not to go too far the other way. Oh, and be like, I don't want you to be a violinist. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking... That's, that's I think a, this violinist example is too specific. But yeah, but, I, I, yeah, to not have unreasonable expectations, but to not have no expectations. Yeah, to let them be who they want to be, given the freedom to that, but not, not so much freedom that they can't find themselves. Uh, you know, I think there's, wow. there's a, those... Are, You've just made the whole thing scarier by that, because I'm like, you're right, but that's like two parameters. I know, but also we're thinking too far ahead. I mean... You know, this is useful stuff to know, but let's put it to the back of our heads to an extent, because to begin with, it's going to be a lot of nappies and stuff. Yeah, the milk is not going to be like, but I wanted you to drink milk in a slightly different way. (laughs) With a violin. (laughs) (laughs) When you're playing somebody's mum, what's it like, because you are a mum already yes. does it feel more real does it do you end up having a longer connection with somebody you've been working with yeah uh, if it if it's gone well <laughs> if, <laughs> if it's not like see ya <laughs> but um, if it's gone well yeah and um i i I've, i suppose i do f- i it's weird isn't it definitely when we were doing it i felt very maternal towards reggie goo goo uh, uh and um freema freema that's what I do with my children, so I can't remember their names. <laughs> Don't um, have three, uh, because you can't remember the third. But it's a magic number. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you got to. Um, uh, I've, absolutely. And I stayed in touch with all of them probably longer than I usually do, because, I mean, I've got too many people in my life sure. already. I can't keep up. <laughs> but, uh, and, um, and I'm still sporadically in touch with all of them, and uh, it's, it's still very affectionate. So, the, yeah, there's definitely a, there's definitely a thing. Also, that's a long-running show, so it isn't like uh, it's not just a hit and run. Yeah, but um, God, well, you're just you just you. If you're a woman and you get older and you're an actor, you'll play a lot of mothers. Sure, <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, as and when I get more acting work, I can get to play mysterious woman for whom life has not been kind. Yes, that's the type I want to go for. That's who I'm playing now <laughs> in this latest film, which is great. You get to do a lot of like walking across, looking anguished, but knowing the truth behind what's happening, and no one else knows. Oh yes, the dream. <laughs> yeah, but how did you? How does that work in terms of like, like working around a baby? So when I got, uh, I found out I was pregnant. And got offered my first equity touring theatre job. Oh wow! In the same couple of days. So in the first trimester of pregnancy, you're touring around uh, theatre. I toured until I was eight and a half months pregnant. I was twenty. I was twenty-three by the time I went into labour, and I was twenty-two when I got pregnant. So be- because I was so young and sprightly, and everything is possible. Yeah. Um, I just and and none of my peers had kids. So my eldest was. The company baby, huh. so uh, I I had her uh, 
was supposed to have her at home. I lived in a squat in Brixton, which uh, I it was a co-op. We got fund in those days. Lambeth Council gave you funding and an architect to rebuild the collapsing buildings and make them solid. I really like those days. That's good. <laughs> I know. I want those days again. Yeah. And, they start, and now what they're doing, and this is definitely local and American listeners were not necessarily, but, but they're selling off the cars. Now they're flogging it off instead. So in the, in the old return. days. But, you know, American listeners will get this because Park Slope, when my brother lived there yeah. in the early 90s, you, you could rent pretty much anywhere you wanted in Park yeah. Slope. Yeah. Now... You, you need to be born a millionaire yeah. to uh, get in there. So gentrification is, is worldwide. You've got to find loopholes to stay in cities now. Yeah. You have to find secret, yeah. under-the-radar things. Yeah. Mm. So, sorry, that was... So, oh, so anyway, so, um, you know, <laughs> so I you was going to give birth in a squat. I was, in those days, there was one doctor in South London who would give you the thumbs up for home births if it was your first baby. Because in those days, it's like... I was the first baby. I can't have it at home. What what may happen? <laughs> and was it more medicalised in general back then? Uh, the idea of home birth was really unpopular at that time. Really unpopular. So I really noticed the change because I had my next baby ten years later. When there was the home birth unit at the oh, hospital, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah, you can have your baby at home." <laughs> and the mid and the midwives came round. One was Australian, one was New, uh, New Zealander. They sat in the corner and let 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 us get on with it. And I basically had the baby by the bookcase in two hours because someone had said to me, uh, you know, if the baby's not coming, have parsley tea, parsley tea. So I was like, great, I'll make a pot of parsley tea. They'd failed to say, have a cup of parsley tea. So I drank a pot of parsley tea. And the baby... Johnny's just writing down down. parsley tea. Well, we've got... <laughs> and the baby was like, out, like... Like, too quick, too quick. It's like, how would catch the baby? I'm just going to have a little sit down. <laughs> so, now, please, two hours from literally like, start to oh, finish. my back is going Start to, to finish. Two hours? Yowza. Yeah. I've, I've seen films longer than that. Yeah, um, me too. That's I know. astonishing. I've been in plays longer than that. <laughs> um, so it, it, it was astonishing. Um, and this is probably a bit hokey, but do you find that like... That baby of yours is really like, I've got to go, I'm busy. That baby was the runaround baby of all runaround babies. Had trials for Fulham Football Club, dance at the oh, Royal wow. Ballet. Was huh. McRun- and I am dyspraxic, you know. Me too. Throw a ball in the air, I'll pick it up off the floor for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Later. yeah. Yeah. So, so, yes, the second kid was super, was runaround. I was like, I don't know whose baby you are. You can catch a ball, you can kick it, you can Football hit it. Football trials and ballet is quite, yeah. is, I mean, and, that's and, really and impressive. And kayaking, squash, you name it. So everything. Any, any sport... And very competitive. Oh, wow. Um, uh, uh, and the other two, yeah, they're the mother's kids. Mm. <laughs> okay. On the dyspraxic front, they are mummy's kids. How does that like work if you have a child whose interests are very different to yours? Oh, you just support them. You just do, you just, I mean, I love football. I, 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 I'm a football, I love football. So I support Leeds United. So, so yeah, so uh, I also, love... Also, who are you going to support in South London? I suppose Crystal Palace, but if it was Chelsea, I'd be like, why? No, 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 we'd never... No, 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 um, no, no, no. Uh, my husband's an Arsenal supporter, so that's yeah, okay. So okay. that's okay. That's not... Um, there's no crossover there. <laughs> there's, uh, well, well, actually, there was a crossover because when uh, the second baby was eight days old, Leeds were playing Arsenal. So the dilemma was... Who's going to miss the game with yeah. the baby? And in the end, we decided nobody's going to miss the game, and neither is the baby. So we took the eight-day-old <sighs> baby to the uh, to the uh, 
it's a hybrid. I breastfed on the terraces. Grown men were weeping. It's like, no, we come here to get away from that. I'm like, no, baby needs to be fed. Yeah, I'm watching the game. Can't I'm crying? Well, it just interfered. So, um, and then I, I did get told off by the stewards because um, they basically said, if the ball goes into the stands and hits your baby, that's probably the end of your baby at that distance and at that uh, oh, uh, speed. Golly. Way to bring a Debbie Downer on it. Yeah. So they said, bring the baby back when the baby can sit on its own chair. <laughs> so um, but I, I kind of went, yeah, they might have a point. I don't but See, know. all I hear I mean, with that is like, oh, amazing. Hey, you made it out of the house. Hey, yes. Have to give them well and done. Do you think some people are like just naturally more predisposed to be like, let's grab the baby, let's get going. And some people are more naturally predisposed to be like, I can't leave the baby nursery. Well, I think it's, I I do think part of it's because I toured until I was eight and a half months pregnant. A week after uh, the baby was born, I took the baby into work Mm. and started doing workshops and looking at scripts and stuff like that. And just, you just pass the baby around. So for me, the baby, the baby became part of the community. Yeah. And, uh, I was confident that it's a baby, not a Ming dynasty vase. And, um, I think they're sort of fairly substantial beings. And I think getting them socialized and accustomized to being around people in the world, obviously people you trust, um, uh, is is good. Mm. So it's so it's, so this is a beautiful thing about socialist feminist theatre. I rang. They rang me and said we'd like to offer you the job, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I'd really like the job, but I, I've just found out I'm pregnant. There was a pause, and then this voice went, "Well, we'll have to institute a maternity policy, then, won't we?" And I was like, "Yes, oh. thank you, thank you," <laughs> and we'll give you an equity card. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so you know, it's just like if people around you go that's fine, yeah. then that's it works. Amazing. But when I was pregnant with my third baby, I was doing, I was on the radio drama company. Oh, yeah. You know, at, at BBC. Um, I'd done it before. Uh, I do loads of radio. And uh, when I went to tell the powers that be, because they should know that I was pregnant, they cut my contract. We're worried that, you know, all that standing, it may be detrimental for you and the baby. Oh, it's weird because there's no uh, chairs they could get, are there? Uh, or or even <laughs> what's more detrimental is to be unemployed yeah. while expecting a baby. Yeah. You and know, also just to be treated... It's rubbish. With You're not lack of respect. ill. You're pregnant. Yeah. Although it's funny, a, f- a friend of mine was saying that in her family, her grandparents, the way they would talk about pregnancy, would go, when you're better, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> when you're better. You want to, yeah, and part of you wants to go, I will never feel as energised just post-baby as I feel pre-baby. Because I'm going to just be pooped and sleep deprived at yeah. the other side of it. But then how did you, because... You were still going back to work like a week later. Like, did, did you find you were just like, I'm just getting on with this, and I'll be, I'll be tired at work, or I'll be tired at home. So let's do work, which is yeah. more. And also, I was 23 with that first one. Okay. So this, so the second ones, I had them within 13 months of each other. Obviously not planned. Who would plan that? Only a maniac. Mm. So I felt Write like that down. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt put like it under so, parsley no, tea. So, what, no, what you put it under is breastfeeding does not stop you conceiving. Oh, yes, that's, yeah, I've, I've heard that. Why did anyone ever, like, I, I feel like people really thought that. I don't know. But 
let's just put that lie to bed once and for all. Because, hello, four-month-old baby. Hello, I'm pregnant again. Hello. Yeah. And it sort of makes sense to me because your whole body is like fecund. Your body That's is... That's right. It's juicy. Yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're ripe. You're yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, um... I mean, I, I, I would do, I would go to with the second baby. First one was in school by then, so that was good. Second baby, I would just get the carry thing. I'd go to auditions, put the thing down with the baby. I filmed, and with the baby, would just be offset. So it, 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 I, f- I feel very ambivalent about it because part of me goes, yes, you can have a baby and work, and then the other part of you goes, yeah, they're not a baby for very long. You might like to just focus down on mm. being with the baby, mm. enjoying that time with them because it's gone like quick. It's something that, like, I've definitely been wrestling with in my head in terms of I've always just wanted to work a lot and work consistently. Yeah, because it's your joy. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's um, it's my possession. Like, everything creative I make is yeah. something that's like my it's little It's an extension store. of you, yeah. 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 I, I, but then sort of not one... Yeah, ex- exactly the same thing. Like, and I suppose it's hard with things like this because... How do you know you're making the right decision even at the time? Listen, that's going to be your that's going to be your top line for the rest of your lives huh. as parents. Oh, yeah. How do we know this is the right? You don't. You just. I think at a certain point you just have to trust your instinct because the, I, the thing that I found most brilliant because I I did all I did all three babies, no painkillers, no blah blah blah. Did I mean, you do the, and did you do them all at home? Well, the first one would have been at home, except for I had the fascist dictator, sure. Brunhilde, we called her. It was like, <laughs> she was not my midwife. She was the midwife that was on when I went into labour. Ah. At the time, I said, uh, uh, when the, the the contractions were at their most intense, I said, take a photograph of me now, now, now. I want to know what I look like when I'm in the most pain I've ever been in. Wow. I look like I'm laughing. Really? <laughs> and it's that beautiful sort of, that thin line between laughter and pain you know it's it's extraordinary but i just think i do remember feeling like i'm now in the hands of all my ancestors yeah like you do, i don't need to worry about this shit because my body knows what it's doing it's been it knows what it's been doing for millennia and it's still that same body which yeah. is so rare an experience to have of it's, that level of um Connection, connection. I know because we live in this world where we sort of live from our necks up. Sure, you know it's all cerebral, and this sort of being that somatic experience of being in your body and going, my body knows what the shit it's doing here, and just going, okay, do your thing. That's what we're built for. Mm. Because when you, I do remember thinking, I'd have moments when I was pregnant, thinking, I'm some sort of crazy hallucinogenic taxi it's like day of the triffids there's a creature growing inside me especially when they're kind of like roving about I know you're just looking at your belly you're like like, what's going it's alien (laughs) all of that sort of stuff when she punched he or she um, they punched um, up inside you when you were in the bath and it was sort of like what am I watching I know that's but yeah do you remember the first time there was a time when um I could feel them moving a bit and I'd just been trying loads. What I've learned about this baby is this baby is not a performer. Like whenever my friends are around and I really, really want them to feel the move, the baby's just like, nothing. I don't think so. No, thank you. And then with Jenny, I've been trying for ages to be like, can you feel that? No, can you feel that? And then I had his hand there. And then the hardest kick the baby has ever mm. done, then straight away, like, bam, straight at him. And he's like, get oh. off, get off, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dad, I'm here. Have a taste of this. Yeah, More exactly. to come. <laughs> We will be back in just a second after this short break.
fine because I've definitely been really thrilled and enjoying the fact that any pregnant woman I see out, I feel like we can have a lovely chat. Exactly. Anyone with a new baby, I feel like yeah. we're going to have a nice yeah. chat together. And like, does that kind of like motherhood solidarity vibe continue? Well, I, I think it does with uh, parents who have got children of a similar so, age. Right. Yeah. So, um, but then it, but then it falls into the. Have you got to place them at nursery? Okay. Yeah. Oh, Have you got where? No. What about schools? How and do then you do? it's quite political. And then yes. it get, and then you get, and then you go, oh, and then you get the playground, the school gate politics, and uh, I mean, what one of the things that I really love that happens is that you start to become friends with people that you might not, in any other circumstance, become friends with, yeah. who do different jobs from you, not your social group, or you know, different backgrounds or whatever. Yeah, and you can find people with whom you agree in a very sort of deep, essential way about those sort of things. I can yeah. imagine. So you'll be like, "Yes, that's what I've always thought about that." Yes, we get it. Yeah, all those parents that you made friends with um, because you were at some school meeting, somebody said something and you laughed inappropriately, and so did they, and then. Th- 20 years on they're still your mates and you're still laughing inappropriately those things are really they're really lovely yeah mm. yeah we've been doing a lot of classes uh, antenatal hypnobirthing what's the hypnobirthing I, that wasn't that wasn't That's around in my day <laughs> to be honest I think it's similar to active childbirth oh okay thing, insofar yeah. as it's it's basically about saying teaching you not to be afraid of the process and teaching you to connect with the fact that it is like um, natural, instinctive, your body does know what it's doing, and that and there's a lot of language training. Oh yeah, so they don't want you, you don't to say contractions. You say surges. You don't say pain. You say uh, discomfort. Uh, you say no, no, uh, um, like intensity. Intensity. Or, um, but there, it's there again. It's that thing. If you put your logical brain to it, it's like no, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Yeah, and so, allowing yourself to sort of embrace a really big like mystical experience. embrace your animalness yeah so that thing about intensity is a very is very good actually because pain makes you immediately yeah. go yes. and tense up and go don't want it don't want it whereas intensity it's just like okay let's just be ready to go with this intense feeling and 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 i suppose also the thing about intensity is it's like you're moving towards a goal yes and you know the and the beach. goal the goal is going to be something fabulous um financially draining emotionally draining <laughs> uh sleep depriving but fabulous for the rest of your life yeah. so it's it's not like a pain makes it sound like it's something terrible yeah. whereas intensity makes it, it's it is you're going to you're going up the mountain but the view at the top is going to be fantastic yeah so it's that sort of that's nice loveliness and please tell me that at least one of your three children was a good sleeper just one of them just i just want to know that one of them was a good sleeper. yes no actually (laughs) such a long pause so no i'm just i have to scroll through the children this far back um so the one that was run around yeah uh there was one night because I did so for was it called Ferberizing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I kind of did it with all of them. I had just and just to, sorry, just to explain to the listener what what, what is what, ah, what is Ferberizing? okay. Uh, the notion is that you um, to to help your baby uh, train itself to sleep, you put your baby down when they're awake, and then you leave them to drop off to sleep on their own. <laughs> drop off to sleep Um, and then if they cry you let them cry for a bit and then you go in and you reassure them that you're there 
but they need to just go to sleep. And then you go out and then they cry a bit more and you just keep going. So the the um the confused angle of that is put the baby down they'll cry himself to sleep you leave leave them to it no you'll have a traumatized baby who thinks they've been abandoned so I think you, that's definitely what i'd thought that yeah, was yeah no it's not but we talked about the logical brain and the animal brain i mean absolutely. this is really following the other side absolutely now. it's and that's why it's because the animal brain would say you have that baby attached to you for 3 years yeah, yeah. you know like you know like you tie your baby to your back <laughs> yeah, or something and then there that's it is what comes down comes down again to like how do you have a child in the modern world as somebody who's freelance, who's trying to work, who is also a woman in their own right and not... Like, yeah, I think it's it's always going to have, like, really difficult decisions and compromises and trade and, and you'll have that for the rest of your life. Because, because I, I like you, I've, I'm, I've been freelance all my life, and then you have the baby, and then you have to work to support the baby. Yeah, I would try and um, be as routinized as I could be to give them some sort of structure. So even if I was, you know, whether I was in rehearsals or I was on tour or I was doing a show or writing or whatever it was I was doing, I tried to keep the routines the same so that that there was some sort of orderly structure that didn't waver even though my work wavered did you have that before for you because i as a human being yes because i've never been <laughs> no <that>. man <laughs> i i no i have no I, i'm terrible i have structure yeah, i'm, I'm very good at like... going the morning i have coffee and vitamins mm. and yogurt that's about as structured as i am that's the sure. plan. yeah or I've, i sit in the garden and have a fag at night that's the structure. That's, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? How but, did that affect you personally to suddenly have routines? Was it good for you as well? Uh, it, it, no, not especially. I felt no. it was necessary for me to give stability to the children in some way. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, the other things that I invested heavily in was good relationships with childminders and nurseries. Yeah. Because uh, there was a point where I this is when I just had the one she was at, at a childminders and uh, I'd had to take her away from another childminder who had started to hit her but in that sort of uh, spare oh the God. rod and spoil the child oh, way sure. oh. which is like I know you mean well that's not my it's so not I had to us. take her away quickly and then I took her to another childminder and she didn't like that childminder and the way she would protest was every afternoon she would poo behind the sofa whoa <laughs> This a is dirty a dirty protest. A dirty protest from a two-year-old. Oh wow! And you know she would never, she would never fuss about going to the childminders. She would never appear to be upset. But every afternoon she would poo. And in the end, the childminder went, "I'm really sorry. I know she knows how to use the potty, and she's doing this. I can't. I don't know how to. I can't I'm, cope with this. So I'm I, impressed by it. It's I know, so isn't it? Cold. It's just it's, like. Yeah, is she like, still? Is that? It, uh, is she still pooping <laughs> behind the sofa no, I, <laughs> at thirty-two? I just meant, is that still that sort of? Is that her sort of strategy of like? Uh, no, I'll do this. Is that this. still present? You will in know her later. Character, that sort of poise, and then no, I won't take. Yeah, this. there is a line in the sand. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely, find that unbelievably. Um, charming of a two-year-old to yeah. be that astute and that kind of like no i'm not taking this and i have a system yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and, and you will gather what it is so yeah so i suddenly i had to find somewhere at short notice so i went to, i went to this nursery and i sat in the office and um jan said well we haven't got we haven't got anything for six months or so and i broke down in the office because i was just at my wits end and as i broke down 
I thought, this is good. Keep the tears coming. <laughs> I, I did. Brain. I did. I thought, this is good. And she looked at me. She went, give me a couple of weeks. I see what I can do. Because oh. there was it was it was it was tough love. Always tough love. Yeah. All right. And oh, uh, so lovely. and she did. And all my kids went there. That's so I had great. a relationship with that nursery for like twenty years. Yeah. It is wonderful hearing you be so extraordinarily um, calm and relaxed about work and 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 sort of maintaining two sides of your life because I mean actors are the most wonderful, resourceful, incredible people. Anyway. Neurotic, sure. My friend Kerry, um, who's an actress, she. Uh, uh, she got pregnant. She was, knew she was giving birth around, I think, um, the start of July. She had been cast in a role that started on the first of September. Uh, that was just that was from the second the baby was born. That was that was, was six, the deal. That was going to happen. And yeah. I, I just think that's wonderful as well. If that's what you want, I yeah. just think that's incredible. I think I, I think that's I think if 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 you're able to, that's the thing to do. Is what do I want? Let me have what I want. Mm. And I I, I I suppose if I had my time again, I would probably try and. Uh, I, I would ideally like to have had more time just with the baby. Because even when I was home, like when I was home with the second baby, I was writing a radio series and I was literally <laughs> breastfeeding with this hand. And uh, so this is in the early, this is in the mid 90s and longhand writing the, I was, adap I was adapting something. Yeah, that's not time off. It, it, <laughs> and every so often I'd go, to my oldest kid, hold the baby. And I do remember one morning, I was pregnant with the third, I was brushing the hair of the first, who was <laughs> holding the second, and all of us were crying. Because, so, because, it's just some days it's like... Because that's what it's this, like. I, that's a lot. That's ten that's jobs a lot, at once. man. It was just, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's that as well. Yeah. But all my kids have always been around theatres mm. and radio studios and television studios, and they all know that women work. Yeah. yeah. And they all know that there is a, a pride and a delight in finding your thing and being able to get paid to do your thing. Yeah. What, what a privilege, because yeah. most, most people live for the weekends. Yeah, and, yes. I, I, and I've always said to my kids, I, I, my wish for you is that you will find your thing and that you'll be able to make a living doing your thing. Because yeah. we're here for 10 seconds. You may as well make them good 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And the happier you are, the happier you'll make people around you. And so, also then you get to have grandchildren who are thrilled with life and then I hope so. that as well. If they want them. If yeah. they want them. And if they don't want them, that's cool too. Hold that thought because we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Josie and Johnny, they're having a baby. Okay, friends, we're back. So my middle kid, who's female to male trans, yeah. he's been mugged. Uh, he's been beaten up because young men in London get mugged. Yeah. It's like a rite of passage. Mm. And if you're a tinier frame young man, you are, yeah. you know. Yeah. So you kind of think, so on the one hand, my child is getting mugged by bastards 
And then on the other hand, so-called sisters are going, you people aren't real people and you want to go... What is realer than that? Yeah. yeah, he's getting the bad end of masculinity yeah. and the bad end of femininity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. So, um, sorry, I feel like we've what I've done then no, is just dived in with things that I'm like upset uh, but, about. But no, because it's all about parenting, isn't yeah. it? So everything that I've said about joy and your kids being joy in the world, and all, it's about wanting your children. I ma- I made a choice to give birth to that <laughs> whole person. Yeah, and now my duty is to see them thrive in the world. And in whatever that manifestation is, whether it means they want to be a drummer, oh my God, we're going to have to soundproof a room and bribe all our (laughs) neighbours. Or, you know, they're in the wrong body and they need to get into the right body or they will die. Mm. It's really stark. That's what it is. They will die if they don't address this drive, this need, Mm. this, this... It's like, I try to imagine it like... Me, as a black woman, looking in the mirror and seeing a white man and knowing that I'm a black woman. But what I see is is nothing to do with what I know I am. Mm. And and that's what it was for my kid, that that dissonance between their sense of themselves and what what I I call it the fleshy overcoat. (laughs) Because it has nothing... Because the reason that I did that... um, I did it. You heard the talk I did on Radio 4, didn't you, Johnny? And then I did it as a TED talk. I knew you as an actor who'd been in um, Casualty and Doctor Who, and I'd seen you on stage at the National. And then I heard this essay that you gave on Forethought, where you talked about transgender issues and you talked about what it was um, to um, experience um, that sort of cognitive dissonance of not having, um, not seeing what you are, not not uh, not not experiencing. Um, living is one thing, but being something else. Yeah. And it it was incredibly moving um, and exactly what I wanted to hear at that time because I just started to hear pockets of really uh, people I looked up to, uh, feminists, thinkers, who were starting to suddenly spout these appalling views. Mm. And I... I heard it and we were um I heard it and then I listened again a few weeks ago when I knew you were coming on. Mm. Could you could you take us back to the start of that? Yeah. So um I have three kids uh, as we've been talking about. I've and my middle one was born a girl mm. and I was a tomboy. <laughs> so uh I mean I was a proper a proper old, you know, fighting I, I, as I said, I grew up in the Cotswolds. There were three black people where I grew up: me, my dad, and my brother. Uh, my mum's uh, white English, and um, and my father's West African. And um, uh, he moved us out there because the educational chances for black children in Bristol, which was our nearest big city and where he was working, were through the floor. I mean, Bristol is still the most segregated city yes. in Britain. Um, it's my home. It's my the town of my birth. Um, uh, and he didn't want us to grow up somewhere where the chances for us to be individuals uh, were negligible. Um, I mean, black children were just uh, were, were just not given the same chances as white children. It was as sort of bald as that, really. Um, so uh, we grew up in the Cotswolds, where we were absolutely individuals out there. You could see us coming a mile off. Um, That's such a like uh, difficult decision because like both ones are so yeah, hard to yeah. make. Uh, he he said, "I want them to know you as people," and um, it's. And I have a, a great love of the countryside. I mean, I you know, put me with cows and sheep and fields. I'm, like, happy. Sure. Um, and uh, 
so what it meant was uh, I had quite a violent childhood in some ways because the playground was a violent place and I learned to fight people right. by the juniors. I can headbutt with the best of them. <laughs> so when I had this tomboy middle kid, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. good at football. Great. You know, all those things. Gets that from me. But from two, very clearly, this little girl said, I'm, I'm not wearing, no, very stubborn child, no. Uh, refused to wear any girls, you know, the, the Woolworths underwear that had the little frilly things, the girls' underwear had little yeah. frilly bits around the pants and the vest. No, boys, bo um, boxers or Y-fronts and boys from that age, new from that age. We were talking about it the other night and I said, when do you feel like the confusion really kicked in? And he said, four or five. Wow. So at seven, he petitioned the headmaster for girls to be allowed to wear trousers as, as uniform because girls had to wear box, you know, skirts and yeah. tunics and stuff. Which is also a very impressive, uh, like, young kid. Yeah. Seven but, years old. But the it knew, the drive was so strong, yeah. knew that this, I don't want to come to school, like, this is, no. Mm. So c c cut forward to um, when... Uh, at, at the the Church of England girls' school, to which I sent all three of my children, because it was a good school, they could not cope with a trans kid. So his life was poor at that school. Do you think they just refused to acknowledge other trans kids that have come before? Or do you think it was the case that they were like, oh, we've never bothered like noticing? I just think that we hit the cr the beginning of the... I'm going to talk about being trans wave, yeah. whereas other kids may have left it till they left school. So first of all, she, as was, told me uh, that she was gay. I was like, yeah, like, of course you are, that, and that's fine. Uh, and then came back a few months later and said, I'm not gay. I found this documentary on Channel 4 called The Boy Who Was Born a Girl. And suddenly he had the language to articulate exactly what he was feeling and what he knew himself to be. So if that hadn't have been there, he might have taken years and years and years. Absolutely. Before the right uh, right information comes yeah. along. Or he would have been dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because it was, I'm gay, but I'm utterly miserable. Uh, that was before. Yeah. And then found this thing. Uh, and so I did what I would normally do, which was I was like, OK, I'm going to go and pray about this. Went upstairs and went, OK, I need a sign, really big sign, soon as you like. Anything you like. Um, you know, I'll have one now, please. Yeah, right now. <laughs> and within half an hour, was going through the recycling, Lambeth Life, our local free rag, back page, uh, columns of blah, uh, two lines in italics, gendered intelligence, half-term art project for young adults 14 to 24 with challenges around their gender identity and a mobile number. I was like... Okay, that's, that, that'll do, that'll do, that's pretty big. So I charged downstairs and went, I found somewhere for us, I found somewhere, I found somewhere. And, uh, and then rang them and rang and nobody answered the phone because the guy whose phone it was had been sick and had left his phone at work. Anyway, so then I was like, oh shit, 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 I shouldn't have said anything till I sorted it out. Anyway, if, eventually we got hold of them and I took um, my kid along to this session. I thought um, uh, a kid who was one thing and suddenly I went into a room and uh, it wasn't, they weren't going to be a duck, they were going to be a swan. And here were all, you know, the little swanlings, cygnets, yeah. and they were all the same. There was a room full of kids like my kid. And it wasn't that my kid was a freak, we just hadn't found his tribe. Yeah. yeah. I, I, one of my friends who I've known before and after transition, 
it it has seemed to me now to know them to be like you make perfect sense in the world now that you're able to be who you are who you are and when I'd known them prior to transition I'd I'd sort of felt perhaps that I didn't quite understand them as a person yeah and now it's like oh because you weren't able to live as who you are yeah and now you are so yeah. of course I can like yeah. know you as you yeah you know um uh, for me what was really interesting and the reason that I did the talk in the end was because I wasn't just interested in banging on about the trans thing but I, what I wanted to talk about was my kid resonated in my heart as their mother as exactly the same personality yeah. before and after yeah. um, a happier personality because they then felt in their right um gender mm. or body or whatever it is but also i so for me it was like wh- what does that tell me about what a human being is if it's not oh you're a boy or you're a girl if they resonate exactly the same and they've changed their gender what is a human being it's the uniqueness of their spirit and it doesn't matter what fleshy overcoat it's mm. in you have to engage with the uniqueness of the human being, the individual being. And so for me, it started up a whole conversation, which is going into my work now, into the, the art I want to produce. And the, the only conversation I want to have is about how we get to engage with each other at the unique individual level, which is um, not about your gender, your race, your caste, your sexuality, your income bracket. Yeah any of those things it's about who there's nobody else like you but it's like quakerism as well isn't it the light in every yeah uh, well it's every it's like every faith actually it's like every faith (laughs) if you allow them to just do the faith thing and not the what's attached to the state and the orthodoxy and all the bullshit that's around it it's the real it's it's very like judaism yeah (laughs) and then i was like oh yes no you're right (laughs) but it is it's it's all of them isn't it and um i i and i because i just I I know that I am fueled with such rage all the time that I can't shake off, and it's about yeah. assumption. It's like it's an my American melanin trope. and my genitalia yeah. do not tell you who I am. Yeah. They might tell you about how the world has received me, but they don't tell you about <laughs> who I am. And I'm I'm so bored of being not seen. And I think it's true for everybody, not seen for who you are as a person, but seen for who you are, for which sort of column you fit into. Yeah. It's tedious. So I just think if we live, I mean, to, to live in a world where you re- engage with each other in that way is the death of capitalism. I understand this because capitalism needs its, you know, you're working class, so you can go and work in the tyre factory and you're uh, mm. posh and white and male, so you can go to Eton and run the country. Do you know what I mean? It's the... It, and also for me, when I think about people who are um, like hindering and trying to obstruct trans rights and trans progress, they don't seem to appreciate that like, for me, the more embracing you can be of 
how much variance there is between genders, like non-binary people, um, people who are transitioning, all kinds of things like that, the more it helps everyone. It doesn't force people further into boxes. It gets rid of the boxes. It it doesn't sort of say, well, if you're therefore gender non-conforming as a woman, you'll be forced to... It's it's nonsense. It's nothing to do with the reality, which is we're we're all so much more complicated. We're so complicated. And we... We're just sucking the world out of its potential by not allowing people to be the full flowering of who they are. And, you know, to bring it back to parenting, that's what we want to do with our babies, is have them be their full flower. Oh, that's so nice. That's Um, amazing. Thank you so much for talking to us. This has been a real joy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you can't tell, we absolutely (laughs) adored speaking with Ajoa. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, you can find me at my website, josielong.com, or at my Twitter, at josielong. You can find me at my website, johnnydonahoe.co.uk. Didn't stump for .com, big mistake. Um, or at johnnydonahoe uh, on Twitter. Um, and you can see everything Joa Ando has been in at IMDb. Also, please, if you enjoy the show, consider giving us a good rating and a good review on Apple Podcasts. This show was produced by Ruth Barnes and Laura Sheeter from Chalk and Blade for Stitcher, with special thanks to Stephanie Karayuki and Laura Mayer. And we are Josie and Johnny. If you'd like to hear more, sign up for Stitcher Premium to hear every episode of Josie and Johnny are having a baby with you. Um, It's ad-free and it'll be before anyone else. And if you want to have a free month of listening, you can go to stitcherpremium.com forward slash baby and use the promo code baby. What, you just have to use that one word and you get a whole month free? I know, it's almost too good a deal. I can't believe it. How can they be turning a profit? Next week we'll be talking to some other very important people, so make sure that you subscribe to us at Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Goodbye. Goodbye. Stitcher.